In the name of Jesus, Amen. Dear Saints, Holy Scripture says, For the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus. This is one of the most well-known verses in the Bible, and in fact, I think every evangelism tract I've ever seen or read has this verse in it. And since this verse is so familiar, we're tempted to gloss over it. And we run the risk of losing the meaning and the force of these words. So to keep it from happening, the entire sermon is going to be dedicated to that one verse, the final verse in chapter 6, verse 23, uh, which says, for the wages of sin is death. In the past, when I've read this verse, this is what I thought it meant. That if I commit sins, then the wage I'll be paid is death. I thought that's what it meant for so long. So the idea is that my work is the sins and my paycheck then is death. That, of course, is true. That is true. But that's not exactly what Paul is saying in this verse. The word sin here is not a verb. It is a noun. So Paul is not talking about the action of sin or sinning, but something like the person or the thing, the content of sin. In English, we call this personification. So Paul is attributing a personal nature to something that's not human. So he's taking sin and he's speaking of it as if it were a person. So that means that sin here is not the bad works or the deeds or the evil decisions that you make. Sin here, what, the way Paul is talking about this, it, sin is like a master that is over you uh, or a slave owner or an employer who pays you wages. That's the idea, that, that sin. And so you have these, this contrast between Christ and then you have sin. And how does sin pay? And then how does Christ pay things? And the truth is that sin was our master before Christ was our master. We worked for sin. And we were under the impression that serving sin would actually bring us life or happiness or joy. But working for sin, our master, only ends in death. So I want to illustrate this with an analogy so you kind of understand what Paul is getting at here. Many years ago, Eric and I had the opportunity to go to Germany. And while we were there, we visited Sachsenhausen which means the house of the Saxons. It was a Nazi concentration camp, uh, a work camp to be specific. And on the gate of this work camp, there were the words uh, on, on the very entrance of it. It says, Arbeit macht frei, which is German for work makes you free. The Nazis told everyone in that camp that the only way out of the camp was by being a good and hard worker. They gave these prisoners cruel and unusual jobs. For instance, there were many, but this is one. One of the jobs was testing out shoes. He said, you have to be good at this. So this is what we'll do. We'll put on a pair of shoes on you, whether they're the right size or not. We're just testing the sole. And we want you to run around this track all day. And keep running. 
And at the end of the day, they took off their shoes and they found their feet were covered in blisters completely. Their toes were broken. Uh, their uh, feet were inflamed. And then the next day, the Nazis made the same person put on another pair of shoes and do it again. And the next day, again, and again, and again, over and over until the person just collapsed and died. And the reason the person kept doing all of this work every single morning, every single day, ran their feet to blisters and to death, was because they truly believed that work makes you free. That's what they were taught. They were told, just do the work, and if you work hard enough, then you'll be out. Then you'll be back with your family. So they held on to the hope that the Nazis would reward their hard work with freedom. That after all of the toil and labor that a man gave, he would finally then see his wife and his children for the first time. But the thing that the Nazis paid them with was death. That is what it's like to serve sin. People think if I serve sin, if I do what sin wants me to do, if I give in to the demands of sin, the way sin is speaking to me, then I'm going to get this great payment of happiness and joy and freedom and I'll get my reward. And it's going to be a big payout. <clears throat> in fact, that's the creed of our day. Do what makes you happy. Do what makes you free. Work makes you free. Even if what makes you happy is sin. So people do what they want, waiting for lasting happiness. And they continue to give in to their sins. And they're saying, what? they get frustrated. Why isn't this making me happy? Why isn't this making me free and joyful? And then that happiness never comes. How many men break their wedding vows for another woman thinking that this is finally going to bring them happiness and joy only to find out later that it brings them shame and regret and loneliness how many people give into drunkenness and addiction thinking that this is going to bring me happiness in the midst of my problems only to find out that it adds to the problems and subtracts anything good that the person had in their life. It makes it worse. How many young men think that watching pornography will take their loneliness away and give them a moment of joy? But they soon find out that they have enslaved themselves to perpetual guilt and embarrassment and emptiness. They hold on to the hope that if they just listen and they just give in to the demand, that desire, and obey sin, their master, then I'm going to get this big paycheck of happiness and purpose and meaning in life. Finally, it's going to come. And in the end, how does it pay you? How does sin pay you? For all your hard work of shameful delights and horrible vices, he gives you death, the destruction of both your body and your soul. That's it. We're in such a poor, miserable condition <clears throat> that humans are so deluded that they think and believe that their slavery is actually freedom. Th think about that. They think their slavery to sin is actually freedom. 
just think about how people define freedom. Freedom, they say, is doing whatever I want. Whatever I want to do, that's what I get to do. That's freedom. If I do whatever I want to do, then I'm truly free and there's nothing to stop me. But doing whatever you feel like doing isn't actually freedom. It's slavery to your own feelings. It's slavery to what you want to do, your desires. If you always do what you want to do, then you are a slave to what your heart tells you to do. It means you're a slave to your passions and your appetites. It means that you're not in control if you always do what you want to do. Romans 6.16 says, uh, here Paul says, Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one whom you obey? That means that if you obey your sinful heart, your sinful heart says, I want this, and you obey it, you are a slave to your own heart. Jesus himself says, truly I say to you, whoever sins is a slave to sin. This means that if your heart bosses you around and tells you what to do and calls the shots in your life, then you are indeed chained down. If you think you're free to do whatever you want, and you really think that you're in control, then why don't you just use your freedom to do good things all the time instead of bad things? Just stop sinning if you're free. Just stop lusting after women. Just stop getting angry. Just say today, I'm not going to get angry, and I won't. And I never will again if you're that free. Just stop being lazy. Stop lying. Stop being unhappy, which unhappiness is indeed a sin against the ninth and 10th commandment. Just be patient and be kind and generous always. If you're truly free and in control, then why don't you just do what God says? If you have the option to do it, if you're so free to do it, then just do what he says. But people don't do it because what will they say? Because I don't want to. Now we're back where we started. You're not free if you always do what you want to do. Man is enslaved to what he likes and what he likes is sin. Sinners sin because they like it. They sin because they want to sin. Why do people stay in bed instead of going to church on Sunday morning to hear the gospel of God, the only precious, the, the most precious and beautiful thing that we have in this world? It is because simply that they want to stay in bed. Why do children rebel and disobey their father and mother? Because they want to. They don't want to listen. Doing what you want isn't freedom, it is slavery. <clears throat> By the way, just a comment here. Uh, do you know what the creed of or the slogan of Satanism is? It is do what thou wilt, which is do what you want. That's what the creed is. That's the main teaching of Satanism. Do whatever you want. I don't want you to think that being a slave to your own passions and desires somehow gets you off the hook for giving into those passions and desires. In fact, we need to take responsibility for enslaving ourselves to sin in the first place. And I'm saying this because we live in a society where we've all been taught to take no responsibility for our actions. None. 
We live in a society where we point and blame others for our faults and our problems. We're inundated in what is called a victim mentality. The idea that nothing we do is ever really our fault, that there's another cause out there somewhere that made me do it, but it's not coming from my heart. And if the situation were different, then I wouldn't have done it. And so we're never to blame. We're never the perpetrator. We're never the aggressor. We're never the sinner. In fact, we are only and always the victim. So instead, this is why people get, get upset calling people to repentance, instead of calling me to repentance and saying that I'm wrong, what you really need to do is understand where I'm coming from. And if you only understood where I'm coming from, then you would excuse the things that I do. If you knew why I did it, then you would permit it. But it's wrong. Sin isn't just something that happens to us. Sin is something we are guilty of. We're responsible for both being and doing what deserves condemnation. We're guilty of obeying our master at one time who is sin. And sin pays us with death. Every Sunday for the past eight years, actually uh, on Wednesday was my eighth year here at Zion. Um, For the past eight years I've been here, we've had at least one visitor in church every Sunday without fail. Uh, Over the years, a handful of them, I could maybe count them on two hands, uh, have gotten upset with the service, or at least that I know of, that they talked to me about it. Specifically, they got upset with the confession of sins, the way the service began. And they say that saying we're poor, miserable sinners who deserve temporal and eternal punishment is just too depressing and too off-putting. They really don't like it. And I've realized that this is because some people want a religion that denies the reality of sin and death. They want a church that tries to distract people their entire life from the elephant that is in the room. That every single one of us has sinned, has sin in us. We were born with this sin, received in our conception. And that because of that, Every single one of us will gasp for our last breath of air and die. That's going to happen. Everyone has sinned, and so everyone will die. Your brain will think its last thought, and your heart will beat for the final time, and you will be entirely helpless against the unstoppable force of death. And people don't like being reminded of that. They don't like being reminded that death is coming and that the reason death is coming is their own fault. It is our sin. That they take responsibility for their sin and that it is bringing a terrible and tragic end. And the problem is with all this is that it's true. Denying the truth isn't going to change it and ignoring or omitting or even distracting ourselves from the truth won't change it either. So as Christians, we don't avoid the problem of sin and death. We confront it. We face it. We simply confess that we are indeed in such a poor, miserable condition and that we are entirely helpless and unable to change it on our own. And once God has brought us to realize that there's nothing we can do to save ourselves, He then teaches us what he's done for us. Holy Scripture plainly says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, 
is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. You would think that the Bible would say the wages of sin is death, but the wages of good works is then obedience, right? Uh, or the, the, the wages of good works or obedience to God is eternal life. As if the way out of death is good works and righteousness. But God says that the way out is not through our works, but through his. Jesus, who is fully God and fully man, was born without sin. who inherited no sin, committed no sin, never once deserved sin or the punishment of sin. Took upon himself the condemnation that you and I deserve. He took upon the death that we deserve. He received himself, in himself death's payment. The payment, uh, sin's payment, which is death on the cross. And 2 Timothy 1 says, By his death he abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Hebrews 2 says, it tells us why Jesus subjected himself to death. It says, so that through death, Jesus might destroy him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and release those who through fear of death, that is you and I, were all their lifetime subject to its bondage and slavery. This verse is so important for us. Romans 6, 23. It is beautiful. It is the gospel. In one verse, you have all of man's fault. And in one verse, you have all of what he deserves. And in that same verse, you have all of God's work and his salvation. Baptists will tell you that a man is responsible both for his own condemnation and, and also for his salvation. That it's his own free will, your decision, it's your choice. You choose whether you go to heaven or you go to hell. Uh, Presbyterians would say that it is God who is responsible for both man's salvation and his condemnation. So that it is God's decision. So that God saves people, but he also willingly damns people. But scripture here in this one verse says that man is responsible for his own condemnation but that it is Jesus Christ who is responsible for a man's salvation. If anyone is condemned, it is his own fault. But if anyone is saved, it is a gift from God. It is God's doing. Death is earned, but eternal life is given. Dear saints, you have earned death, but Jesus has given you eternal life in his wounds. Sin used to lord over you. But Jesus has overthrown sin and he has become your Lord. You don't belong to sin anymore. You don't work for sin anymore. You don't, that's not your master. Jesus is your master. You belong to Jesus. He earned you with his holy and precious blood and he gives you every ounce of righteousness in his veins. Here in his blessed church, God gives you what you could never work for or deserve. He gives you eternal life by forgiving your sins, by freeing you from sin and guilt and slavery and death itself. And he has separated your sins as far as the east is from the west. So don't run back to the sins from which he saved you. If he pulled you out of those sins, leave them. Don't bury yourself back in the guilt and the shame which Jesus pulled you out of. Don't be afraid of the death that you once rightly and justly deserved because now God has given you eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.
I'm going to close by reading the words of the hymn, In Jesus I Find Rest and Peace. It's a shame that this hymn isn't in our hymnal. It should be. But listen to these words. My soul was carnal, blind, and bound by sin and never sought thee. Lord Jesus, though I ever found all else, no comfort brought me. No peace, no rest within my breast. My troubled soul remained unblessed. Of thee I never bethought me. In pity then thou camest to me, thine arms to me extending. I heard thy voice come unto me and rest in peace unending. Emmanuel loves thee full well. He saved thy soul from death and hell and perils thee defending. To me, the preaching of the cross is wisdom everlasting. Thy death alone redeems my loss, on thee my burden casting. I in thy name a refuge claim from sin and death and from all shame. Blessed be thy name, O Jesus. The peace of God which surpasses all understanding, guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.